0: Being the Worst, episode 34, recorded Thursday, August 1st, 2013. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman with your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulid. This episode is the second of a three-part series on client-side development. Carrie and Renat discuss the changes that were made to the sample's WinForms client to make it easier to add new features. They review the three main contexts in their GTD sample, the benefits of passing around a mutable state, and dig into graphical user interface architectures like MVC and MVVM. This sets them up for the next episode, where they apply MVVM to the sample's cross-platform mobile application. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. All right, Renat. It's been uh, several weeks since we discussed uh, the application we were working on, and you've been coding like a madman. (laughs) I saw lots and lots of commits while I was away on my vacation, and I couldn't wait to get back to talk to you about what is all this stuff you've been uh, doing, because um, in the last episode, we talked about just the initial throw something out there and try to figure out what we're doing on this client. And uh, I haven't even had a chance to do my homework yet. And I'm kind of glad I didn't do it because I think you got a lot of other stuff working. And uh, a lot of the design seems to have changed to be more elegant and understandable to me. So why don't we dive into like what's going on now with the code?
1: Okay, terrific. Sounds good. Uh, so basically what I've been doing with the design and the structure of the components is to change the design in such a way that it will simplify process of adding new features. Basically, design is something that we create and that should help us to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like when we define something design, it's not something immutable. It's not, it's something that changes. It's something that helps the system to grow. Uh, so I've been doing a bit of designing and prototyping and also actually a lot of reading. So I've been reading on things like uh, model view controller, design patterns in the UI, et cetera, et cetera. Just to make sure that at least some of the vocabulary in the system matches to what people are actually saying. Mm-hmm. And currently in our system, we have like three different contexts. One context being the context that we established in the very beginning, uh, it's the domain model. It's the stuff with the aggregates, uh, with the trusted system aggregate, uh, with its commands, methods, and events that it publishes. Mm-hmm. The second context, it's actually, we started creating it uh, while building a console application. Uh, but since then, it's got slightly more evolved. It's the UI model or client model context. Mm-hmm. UI model or client model, it's almost like a read model, but it has certain behaviors. Uh, you can perceive it as an aggregate that kind of reacts to events published by the domain model. This aggregate maintains internal state that represents the state of a UI like desktop application.
2: You
0: mean think of the, the entire client context as a one big aggregate related to the UI?
1: Yes. Okay. So basically we're modeling the stuff that we'll be later presenting on the screen. Right. And this state, uh, when it changes, it publishes UI-specific events. And these UI-specific events are really dumb I even put them in inside the uh, big dumb class. So basically, if in our domain model, we have something like project created, project outcome corrected, etc., etc., mm-hmm. uh, in dumb events, we have only project added, project, project modified, project deleted. Simply because at the UI level, we don't really care if the project was, if one of the field was uh, changed or the other one. Uh, simply because we use these events as notifications. Mm-hmm. We still have the original events being really specific. That project outcome has changed. And that's how we persist our changes on the disk and we'll persist them on the server. Because these are uh, precise events, uh, they really needed to synchronize and then to avoid conflicts while doing collaborative work. Right. Uh, while collaborating with other people on the same trusted system or while doing the work from multiple devices.
0: And just a clarifying question around the word context. When you're talking about we have these different contexts, the, the UI and the domain that you've discussed so far, do you mean bounded context like in DDD terms or just sort of generically a context?
1: So basically, a context is a way to identify a group of entities or objects that share certain common capabilities. And this sharing, this common trait is important to us. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about the bounded contexts, we say that all everything that is is inside this context uh, shares the same language, and it is really really important for us to be aware about this boundary and to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, when I'm talking about domain context versus UI context, mm-hmm. the, yes, the languages are somewhat shared and somewhat distinct. Okay. So uh, basically, uh, by saying that we have domain context and UI context, I'm saying that uh, these areas there are somewhat there are differences between them, mm-hmm. and some of the differences there might be not about the language here hence I can't say it these are different mounted contexts, but there are something that is different, and something these differences are. Important to us, and we want to preserve them.
0: Okay, so the the key word there is language, as it relates to what DDD calls a bounded context. It's really about the language we're using. Mm-hmm. Okay, that helps. Thank you.
1: For example, like use of the word context in real world. Uh, there is term like, for example, archaeological context, uh, an event in time which has been preserved in archaeological record, or I don't know. Uh, context in language use it's uh, constraints of the communicative situation, like stuff that is relevant to us while we speak, mm-hmm. and something uh, stuff that surrounds the meaning of the words that we use. In the software and design context, is characteristics of uh, a certain like building block or a certain component that in which it works, in which it develops, and which are important to understand how this uh, actual building blocks or design pattern is applied. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we have uh, three contexts which are, uh, we share some of their language, so hence we can't call them a different bounding context. Actually, they, uh, these three contexts share exactly the same ubiquitous language. We still talk about the projects, we still talk about the ac- actions, stuff, etc., etc. Right. Uh, by the way, for those who missed it, uh, we used to have things we put in the inbox as thoughts, But then uh, there was a bit of redesign, uh, trying to align the language with uh, getting things done terminology, as perceived from uh, David Allen's book. And now we're calling this Stuff Stuff. So we put Stuff in the inbox.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Thanks for mentioning that. I forgot that was a pretty big change. So if you look at the code from the last episode, in this episode, you'll see a lot of just renames from thoughts to stuff. So so those three layers, though, you, you, you mentioned the domain model, the UI model, and then you're treating the presentation layer as another context, right? Yes.
1: Okay. And so UI model or client model, well, I really need to pick up proper definition <laughs> well, or to pick one of the terms and maybe you will help me later. Mm-hmm. So let's for now stick to the, uh, the naming in the code. So it's called client model. Okay. But it refers to different types of client applications, like tablet application, or smartphone application, or desktop application, or web application.
0: Meaning that the client model is applicable to any of those, reusable?
1: Technically, yes. We'll see how it works out later. So okay. basically, it's an underlying read model and notification subsystem for implementing client application.
0: And is that where the behavior for the, like the properties that the UI references exists?
1: Yes, it's model. Hmm. It's data objects. Uh, And so uh, basically I evolved uh, this uh, client model from the uh, big client projection that we used to have in the console app. So it still kind of behaves like a projection, but it became more complicated. It deviated from the original design a little bit. And the biggest deviation being, well, there are two uh, deviations. First deviation is that now it publishes uh, events. It publishes uh, change events. It is not event sourced, which means uh, that it is not persisted by publishing events which are then replayed, but it uh, publishes different events. So how this works, when we load our application, like event stores are loaded, and then when the application starts, this client model will ask event store for the latest, like for, for the entire event stream for the trusted system. Then this client model as a component, or there is a controller for that client model. So our client model controller will uh, replay all the the events for the client model. And then it will tell it that the loading has been finished. And now the client model will be subscribed to all incoming events from the system. Is there a
0: place in the code that I could be looking at to see that?
1: uh, Let's try client model controller. So I think if you're on an ReSharper sharper and using IntelliJ IDEA theme mm-hmm. keyboard uh, theme uh, you need to press control M and then CMC types just CMC for now you can open gtd.client core client core uh-huh go to models folder yep. and open client model controller
0: client model controller got it
1: okay so uh, client model controller is a controller that sits between the messaging subsystem of this client application and different components. So basically, controllers are a messaging unit of kind of compartmentalization of functionality. Okay. They, host, like, they are responsible for managing functionality. And they are not uh, linked to the uh, UI-specific code. Like, So they are not linked to Windows Forms. So technically, they can be reused between uh, multiple UI platforms.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, actually, everything that sits in the cl- gtd.client core this is like the model and all the controllers. It's reusable. Got it's it. technically reusable. Practically, we'll see how it works. Okay, Okay. Uh, so the controller uh, here, it subscribes to the in events on the message bus of the system. So basically, it simply wires these events to the model. It acts as kind of a applica- small application service. Mm-hmm. So when this application starts, then it like kind of picks the current trusted system ID that is associated with this installation or it creates a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it publishes event called profile loaded, like user profile loaded.
2: Okay.
1: So when client model controller, it's like all the way down to the end of this class, but before dumb uh, class starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when profile loaded event is published, this client model controller, it creates new instance of client model, and then it replaces the entire event stream of the current trusted system into this model. Hmm, okay. So that so that's the model as a read model is up to a the date. Then it tells this model that the loading has been completed, which means that from now on, well, it means two things. First of all, whenever a new change event from the domain model comes down here, then the model will not only change itself, but it will also publish ch- UI change event.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Something like stuff changed, inbox changed, stuff was added to the inbox, project changed. Mm-hmm. And second thing, at the end of the loading, model publishes a client model loaded event. And uh, actually, one of the cool things that I've done with the client model uh, is that I've been looking a lot uh, deeply into the immutability and the stuff that Microsoft Teams were using for Roslyn compiler. And what they were using, they were using immutable data structures to represent state of the uh, like, uh, abstract syntax tree. Hmm. Uh, in our stuff, it's like the immutability is not fully implemented, but it can be uh, fully implemented later. But in short, for the outside world, when a client model, when something changes, a client model publishes an event that doesn't just say that, like, hey, client model was loaded. It, it includes a copy of the entire client model to the world. So when we publish an in-memory event called client model loaded, this client model loaded event it includes immutable client model, which includes like, the entire inbox and all the projects. Hmm. So basically, uh, the immutability here, it means two things. That we could structure our model in such a way uh, that it would be extremely cheap to publish copies, events that, references, that reference parts of this model. And these events like, could include as much information as needed, and it can be, uh, they can be safely passed around because they're immutable, and hence other code can't concurrently change them. And uh, so basically, we won't have any nasty side effects.
0: So I'm getting the sense that this is a really cool thing, but I'm not wiring together. So give me the practical, like, how are we going to practically use that, and why is it awesome?
1: Okay, uh, so basically when client model loads, when it's finished uh, like loading to the latest version of event storage, event, uh, it will publish client model loaded. This client model loaded, it includes the entire copy of the client model mm-hmm. in, that was made immutable. Okay. Uh, this means that, for example, in our inbox part, inbox component, mm-hmm. which is like the left side, the left panel, mm-hmm. we no longer need to actually try to reach the client model. Uh, we can simply subscribe to first to the client model loaded event and then get all the data from this model, from this event, and bind it directly to the UI. In the event that comes to us, we have all the information needed to display.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all the other components in the system, when they uh, are initially loading and then uh, when they need to present the initial state, they need to subscribe to only the same event, client model loaded. Mm-hmm. They don't, so basically in this uh, case, since we have our UI events, UI messages, they are in memory. Yes. So we don't need to try to them uh, to reuse them for the event sourcing and the event storage. So we don't need to make them uh, really compact, succinct, and we can actually share a lot of the state, and we can actually publish the entire thing that changed in our change notification. And I know this might sound counterintuitive, but it's possible to adjust slightly the client model in such a way that publishing this stuff around will be really cheap. We won't be actually publishing a lot of, like, we won't be reusing a lot of memory because that's the same client model that will be shared by all the event consumers. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's really cheap and it's really reliable. And it's really easy to use, in cur- uh, like in the case, if you have, if you have multiple processing threads. Okay. okay? And I know in this application of the pattern, it doesn't sound exciting, but if we talk about the Roslyn compiler, which is a future c Sharp compiler for Visual Studio,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so basically they're representing abstract syntax tree mm-hmm. uh, as immutable data. Abstract syntax tree is uh, like logical representation of the code, including like uh, this is the class, these are the methods, etc., etc. And their abstract syntax trees are immutable. Okay. However, at the same time, they support IntelliSense and like real-time refactoring. So which means as you type the code in your editor, Mm -hmm. so uh, the structure of the code changes. So you can uh, actually rename a variable. Uh, You can do like delete entire file or uh, paste a block. And as you change that, actually immutable tree changes as well.
0: Oh, so it's a a dynamically changing immutable
2: tree.
1: (laughs) Yes. So uh, basically they're creating copies of that tree Uh. and uh, like, all the stuff that hasn't changed, it's simply copied over. And the nodes, the leaves of the tree that were changed, they are replaced. I see. So they're kind of creating a new version of the tree every time. But at the same time, this tree reuses almost everything from the previous copy.
0: I see. Yeah, you get all that awesome benefit without the penalty of, of having all these copies, copies, copies. It's, you're getting sort of the best of both worlds, basically.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's cool. And that's the stuff that I've started applying in client model. I see. Uh, so basically, uh, one of the biggest benefits of using like, this kind of smart immutability approach is that it kind of it relaxes your mind. It allows your mind to be publishing the entire model, like be publishing the entire copy of the client state. Because currently, my client state is not truly immutable. I'm just making freezing it uh, when something happens and publishing the freezed copy. Right. But I know that I can improve the implementation later because that's relatively easy to do. I see. Okay. That
0: Yeah, I saw these things in here, like read-only immutable stuff, and I wasn't sure what that was, but now I now at least know what it's related to.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, our second context is UI model, mm-hmm. our client model, and this client model is managed, uh, like wired to the system, to the messaging system, via client model controller. So client model controller is responsible for plugging it in, and the client model itself, it maintains a read model that is friendly to the UI and that represents current state of the trusted system. And it also publishes uh, change notifications when something changes. Okay. And these change notifications, uh, they happen to include entire copies of the model, entire chunks of the model as immutable uh, objects referenced in the client model, mm-hmm. which means that previously, in some of the controllers and use in the parts of the UI, I was doing like two st- uh, works in two steps. First, I was subscribing to the uh, domain events to see what something ha- that has changed in the domain. And then I was kind of going to the, this read model and pulling querying this read model for the latest state of some uh, element of the client model. Mm-hmm. Now I don't need to uh, do this second step to go to the client model and query some change because I can simply subscribe to the change event and it will bring everything that is needed. And so, uh, basically, I can. Uh, I think it's in the Inbox controller. Oh, no, sorry. Navigation controller. So, Navigation controller and nav- Navigation are this left pane of the UI. Okay. Uh, and, sorry, uh, when I said that uh, Inbox controller and Inbox were the left pane in the UI, so no, uh, Inbox controller uh, is the right pane that is shown when you're uh, in the Inbox.
0: Yeah, the, the bigger one that has the stuff in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And so, navigation controller and navigation view—they uh, represent the left part of the UI. They represent like the inbox node and a list of all the projects that you have. Yes. And so, in this inbox controller, we can actually say that. So, if the client model publishes a event message called dump project edit, all we do is we can reload the entire project list. If we say that stuff was added to the inbox, all we do is uh, we update the entire inbox node. So basically, uh, the controller will define uh, UI-specific, case-specific behavior in response to the UI change event. And in general, UI change event carries over enough information to make this decision and display really easy.
0: You know what this stuff needs? mm mm-hmm. One of Renat's famous Visio box diagrams to describe like how all these things are happening and flowing all over the place.
1: <laughs> oh, well, uh, maybe it won't be Visio because uh, lately when I'm doing design diagrams, I'm trying to just sketch them on the notebook on the paper mm-hmm. and then attach a copy. Perfect. Attach that works. photo because it's much faster and it allows you to be more creative and visio. Because Visio diagrams uh, spend like an hour on them to make them pretty, and while drawing by hand by pen. I can spend 5 minutes to get one version and then iterate it and then 5 more minutes to get better version and this diagram they're not pretty but they're much faster and they're much more precise.
0: I would encourage you to do that for the blog post that goes along with this episode. I think I'm understanding and I haven't had a chance to really look too much into the code yet. Mm-hmm. So I think when I play this back and listen to the light bulbs are going to start going off but I think that for these kinds of things, when you're trying to envision, like how are all these models and controllers and stuff like working together to do stuff, if you could sketch that out and we can put a picture of your drawing on there, I think that'll help me and, and a lot of people understand like how these items are working together. Absolutely, we'll do that. Awesome.
1: Okay, so basically, we talked about the client model. Let's talk about the presentation layer. Okay. So in the presentation layer, we kind of have the same uh, model view client separation. Mm-hmm. Where views they're really thin they have as little behavior as possible which makes kind of it possible to test controllers by implementing test versions of the views
0: and we have our views in the gtd.client project right yes yep. uh, then- i
1: put them i put them out there to enforce separation between uh, views and the controllers
0: Yep, cool, yep, and they're in the so gdd.client project in the views folder, that's where our, uh, right now, uh, that's a Windows Forms views. Yes. Okay, got it.
1: Okay, so the view controllers, they implement UI-specific behaviors to display some state to the user and manage some transitions of that state. Okay. So basically, uh, the controller is, in some sense, it either, you can think of it as if it manages a UI view, like part of the screen, part of the application that's feasible to the user. On the other side, it also manages the user. It manages the user's expectations, and it manages what is shown to the user.
0: Okay, so let's pick one view and the controller that goes with it that you're talking about and where they are in the solution.
1: Okay, let's go to the Inbox controller.
0: So in the gtd.client core project, there's a folder called controllers, and there's a file called inboxcontroller.cs. That Inbox yes. controller is affiliated with helping... The thing up in the gtd.client views folder called inboxview.cs to do its stuff.
1: So basically, you can perceive all the views, mm-hmm. main view, main form, uh, all the forms. They are just uh, UI. Yes. The UI that will do nothing, it will not react to any button press or it just, uh, it's just a design.
0: Yeah, dumb presentation layer. It's a, gl- a little bit better than a JPEG.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the controllers are the elements that are plugged on top of them and that kind of bring this stuff alive. So views are kind of sk- like skin, skin of a person. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing inside to drive the, the, the personality. Controllers, they are the muscles. Controllers, they will help each uh, part of the, like your body to move. And the, these muscles, they may be attaching to the some bone structure and they are driven uh, by the impulses. And in our case, uh, impulses, as always, are messages. Got it. So a uh, messaging uh, subsystem of this application is uh, neural networks, or it's like something that spreads the information around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: View controller, it can be, it's not the brain, but it's part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And all the muscles, they are linked to this part of the brain, and they are driven by them. Got it. So the controller, they're actually tightly linked to the type of the view. They're not linked to the uh, view implementation, but they're linked to the type of view. So Inbox Controller and in this, uh, this Inbox Controller, it manages the Inbox where you, you can show Inbox, where you can add Inbox, when you can remove Inbox, and when it, where you can actually drag stuff into the Inbox. Yes. You can drag stuff from the Inbox. You can uh, drag stuff from the Inbox to the project. So I think currently, the controllers, they're agnostic from the view implementation, but the view implementation has to stick uh, to a specific contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the controller, its view and view implementation, they tightly link to the type of UI that you're implementing. Okay. Which means that if we implement maybe inbox controller for the uh, iPhone app would be similar to the uh, inbox controller for the uh, desktop app. It's really hard to tell without uh, diving into the domain. Mm -hmm. But sometimes like different uh, types of devices, like different categories of devices, they bring different expectations about the UI. They bring different usage patterns. And if you try to make the iPhone UI exactly the same as uh, desktop UI, you'll have upset customers, upset users, because they might have different expectations about the iPhone app versus Android app versus desktop app. So if we were to implement the Inbox controller, for example, for the smartphone application mm-hmm. so it's like smartphone inbox controller yes then in this case we would know that the inbox view implementation would probably like we're reuse this controller with different implementations of the inbox view uh, where uh, one is sitting uh, on the Xamarin the other one is sitting on the smartphone or on the iOS and the other one may be sitting on the Windows phone right so basically the inbox controller as I currently feel they're specific to the type of the UI you are developing because uh, different types of the UI, different categories of the UI, they have different expectations and different functionality.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that'll be interesting to get into is the two primary differences in experiences, either a traditionally desktop keyboard mouse environment or a touchscreen touch sort of environment is the two main user experience paradigms that most people have to deal with right now.
1: Well, absolutely. So, And also, uh, if we're talking about the environments, phone environment would be d- uh, different from the iPad environment because we have different amount of uh, screen state. iPhone environment, uh, there's iPad environments. Mm-hmm. I think they're conceptually different because they are uh, part of the same operating system. They're kind of similar device like iP- uh, Apple device. However, in practice, iPhone app is really constrained, which means that you can't really take an iPad app and shrink it down and fit it in the iPhone's UI. Sure. Right, Because uh, things will be too small and you'll probably need to work hard on figuring out what has to be removed from each screen to make sure that it's usable. Correct. And the same, uh, likewise, you can't, well, technically you can take an iPhone app and just expand it and display it on the iPad screen. However, like the user experience would be suboptimal. That's why a lot of companies are developing specifically applications, versions of the application for the iPad. Yep. Okay, so with this, I was trying to kind of share my understanding that although the controllers, they can operate with different implementation of a view because it is abstracted away by the interface, still uh, maybe the functionality between uh, this controller and uh, the corresponding view might be specific to the type of the UI that you're dealing with. Yes. So the reusability might be limited. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, maybe in some cases, it's possible to reuse the same controller between multiple applications. Yep. Okay, so we talked about the domain model, which is and the differences between the client model and the presentation layer. And in our case, the presentation layer is composed from some of the controllers and view implementations. So we have MVC pattern model view controller. Mm-hmm. And in our case, the model is the client model and the events it, uh, it sends. Okay. And the events, uh, they include uh, large chunks of this client model, uh, like as immutable. So it's really easy to share the same, uh, a lot of like the same uh, memory space, if you wish, in a safe way between multiple controllers. And event driven nature of the uh, application, event driven design of the application, it really helps to break down the functionality in really small controllers that are really focused. For example, I've added a controller called Navigate Back Controller.
2: Right.
1: Navigate back controller. So if you launch an application and you switch between, for example, between multiple projects and inbox, there is a button called go back. Yes. So as you press this go back model, it will navigate back in history between like all the projects and coming back all the way to the inbox, which you are shown when the application started.
2: Hmm.
1: And this view part of this is, is like a, a menu button that is hosted on the main form. And the controller that controls this small portion of the menu, it's a separate controller that only knows that here's the interface that I'm managing. I navigate back view. And these are the messages that I've, uh, I'm subscribed to and the, the messages that I publish. Got it. So currently, one of the advantages of this event-driven design with MVC model is that I can break the functionality in really small pieces. And so maybe some of the pieces are usable on different platforms, uh, on different types of the UI. Some of the pieces may be really specific. We'll see. And currently, uh, my next plans uh, on evolving this UI is to add a bit more of functionality, to add more features, just to see how design behaves. Because the design should support adding this stuff. Uh, current design, uh, its goal is to simplify adding features. And then uh, probably we could work in line to deal with two directions, one of them being trying a Xamarin approach to see how this experience can be ported to other systems while reusing the majority of the code base. Because mm-hmm. the domain model and the, uh, the client model, they, can, they are reusable. They're absolutely reusable. It's the view and controller part that might need to change. Uh, yeah. And the second portion being dealing with the server side, like pushing changes back to the server and uh, merging the conflicts if they show up.
0: That sounds good. I think that uh, in my uh, personal projects that I'm working on, in addition to this, I'm working on a lot of similar but different stuff that I'll probably have some questions uh, on. And I might try to summarize like what I'm seeing over there because there's a whole other universe of people seeming like they're trying to solve these same kinds of problems but they're doing it in a little bit different way that I currently think is actually a pretty good design in, and it makes total logical sense to me and I need to sort of finish understanding that and then understand this when I'm playing this episode back because I think it's very very related I just I'm still not connecting the docs completely like we're in the GTD code we have these uh this thing passing the messages around or the events around so that they react to it. This other Xamarin MVVM cross-platform uses traditional MVVM, quote, messengers to publish and subscribe events that come from the UI and the la-la-la. Like, it's all very similar, and they're all doing uh, message-related passing around disconnected, modular, reusable things. And I just need to finish absorbing some of that so that um, I can compare the two. Because I think when we get to the Xamarin kind of implementation, there seems to be a pretty big community around using a specific approach on how you would do that if you're going to use the Xamarin tools for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone, Uh etc. And I want to be able to understand that so I can compare like, hey, is Is our approach easier or way more difficult? And what's the pros and cons of it? Because I don't know how to compare those yet.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And actually, well, I don't have a lot of uh, UI experience. Mm -hmm. And that's why that is one of the reasons I went uh, into this uh, project and trying to make it like really UI friendly. Mm -hmm. User friendly and then maybe I'll be possible to convert you to the simplicity of this approach, mm-hmm. like how it breaks down. Mm-hmm. Then actually, like I didn't invent anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was just following di- diligently to one of the patterns that Martin Fowler documented and that emerged in the community, mm-hmm. model view controller, mm-hmm. uh, where the view is really humble and it's really thin and the majority of functionality uh, resides uh, in the controller with a single twist that our models and model changes, they are published as events. Yep. That's it.
0: And that's where I'm getting at. I think that when you're trying to convert me, I will also be trying to convert you so that we can get on to a middle ground of like, I think we're talking about the same things, it's just different camps are using different vocabulary words to do basically the same thing, which is MV star-ish stuff, and each separate subculture Uses different words to achieve basically the same thing and and even in our server side stuff where we're using events and messaging and keeping things distributed in their own components and notifying things via events and having application services that which are basically like controllers la 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 all these architectures seem very related and they're all circling around this common. Goal of concepts, but for whatever reason, everyone, you know, someone's choosing to use Spanish, someone's using French, someone's using Russian, someone's using English. And I don't know why we haven't just picked one common language to basically describe these same concepts, which means I want to have disconnected, not tightly coupled components that I can glue together, that communicate via messaging, events, whatever you want to call it, via a de- decoupled infrastructure, blah, blah. Like th- Those are the kinds of things going on and all the things I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm just trying to tie them all together. So, mm-hmm. so well, it'll be interesting to see what you think.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's actually a wonderful learning experience to be able like, to find the problems with the language that I use and how it actually correlates to what people are uh, from the outside world are using and how they're dealing with the UIS because well you definitely have a lot more experience with the UI than I have.
0: Well that's pretty scary because I don't have that much <laughs> and and I'm brand new to uh, to all the MVVM MVC and and similar stuff that you're doing. So I think we're both kind of green on that where you don't necessarily exactly know what we're talking about yet, but I love that You're sort of doing that investigation on the Martin Fowler and uh, Roslyn side of stuff, and and I get what's going on here, and I like how it's related to all the stuff we've been doing from the server side. So my tendency is to sort of lean towards what we have here because it makes more sense based on what we've already been doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But also... The MVVM stuff and the work that's going on with MVVM cross and the Xamarin side of stuff is also very interesting to me because it's it's familiar from the Silverlight kind of WPF data binding stuff. And at the end of the day, MVVM is about a prerequisite of data binding and taking advantage Mm -hmm. of data binding. And so that's what this approach with the Xamarin stuff is doing is basically uh, the ability for the view model to data bind to cross-platform views.
1: So. Actually, uh, pardon me, but if I'm not mistaken, Xamarin, iOS, and other stuff—they don't have view binding. Right, they that, don't have data binding.
0: No, they don't. That's why um, pro- the thing I'm using this framework is called MVVM Cross. It, Stuart Lodge is the main guy on it, but the company that actually wrote the Connect for Star Wars, uh, like social game or whatever, for Microsoft when they launched, uh, there was a video game for Star Wars using the Connect, and uh, Microsoft had this company launch an Android, Windows phone, and iOS app to kind of promote it and post stuff on mm-hmm. social networks and stuff. And they were like, man, we got to do three different platforms. Like, how can we try to achieve this code reusability if we're going to use... They, they looked at the native stuff and did all the research, and they're like, okay, cool. We think we're going to use C Sharp and Xamarin, but we still don't have like all the goodness of data binding and stuff that we want. So what have others done without, you know, in this universe? And that was the MVVM pattern. So what they implemented and open sourced was this thing called MVVM cross, which basically gives you data binding, data binding uh, stuff on Android, iOS and windows phones. So that at the end of the day and what I'm implementing right now and my personal stuff, trying to try to get it to work and it's working so far is exactly that. Which where I have my view models all the way back down are theoretically reusable. And the only difference is the platform specific native UI views for each device you're targeting. And you build an iOS GUI and on your Mac like you normally would. And because you're using these tools, you have the ability to bind that Xcode view to your existing reusable c view model. Mm-hmm. And, and on Android and WPF, really WPF. They've got them for Windows 8, all that stuff. So there's cool stuff going on there, and it's similar concepts. So I'll try to narrow down what might be interesting for you to see in 30 minutes to just get your opinion and thoughts on it, because I think it's very, the goals are very similar and the the approaches are very similar, but uh, the vocabulary is slightly different.
1: Okay, uh, actually, uh, one side uh, thought when I was exploring for different ways to design. Uh, elements of the UI to structure them to architect them Uh Uh, like I was thinking about the data binding but based on the assumption that data binding is only for the Windows and hence I can't really data bind client model to the UI apparently I was wrong so (laughs) uh, maybe it will be you uh, who converts me
0: oh potentially yeah I for sure at least for iOS Android Windows Phone Windows 8 WPF I think those are the main ones. They don't have Silverlight yet. But for at least those platforms, this particular framework does let you achieve data binding across those platforms.
1: Okay, terrific. I'll need to check this out.
0: When we get done here, if you want, I can narrow down. There's a lot of stuff. He's been on several podcasts, and he's done a ton of awesome videos that describe this Mm -hmm. stuff. But I'll send you to a presentation that kind of summarizes it for you. It's pretty cool.
1: Actually, speaking of the design patterns, that's one of the links I definitely want to include as a show notes. Graphical UI Architectures article by Martin Fowler, uh-huh. where he goes deeply into the different design patterns, mm-hmm. like Model-View-Controller. Then ex- talks about the model, uh, like different application uh, models, how they evolved. Talks about Model-View-Presenter. He talks about the humble view and all the differences: passive view, supervising controller. Mm-hmm. I believe he talks about uh, MVVM as well, and actually why the definition is not precisely exact.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, so Renat and I are going to uh, continue down our journey of learning client side user interface design approaches and architecture and figure out what seems to make sense and which approach allows us to add new features without lots and lots of pain, especially uh, with our goal of trying to actually get this on the mobile side of things, too. So we'll continue to learn. I'm going to play this back and learn about what we've got right now. You guys can do that, too. And until next time, we are at beingtheworst.com. We are at beingtheworst on Twitter. Renat, do you want to say anything else before we stop talking?
1: May the source be with you. <laughs> the, sword <made> the source be the source.
0: Well, at least you're not talking like Yoda now. You could say Yoda thing if you want. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. <laughs> Take
1: care, you guys. Bye. Bye.